Hello, friends. Or should I say, fact fiends. I know that you're all a fiend, and here we are. This is our first teeny episode. And I decided to start out with some teeny episodes because we wanted to... That's the royal we. I don't know why I keep saying we. I'm so used to teamwork, but it's a team of me. So, um... I wanted to wide release a couple teeny episodes to show you what will be coming on the Patreon if you subscribe. Uh, multiple tiers, of course. Uh, we are working on doing a couple of extra things for the show and providing some fun features for all of you fact fiends who have been following us. So this is our first teeny episode post our first I guess, well, it's not a first part one, but it's a part one of our Robin Hood Hills murders about the forgotten West Memphis Three and the West Memphis Three. So today with me is the gorgeous Rachel Hip Flores. I'm very happy that you said that because as this is an audio medium, there is no way to verify. So I'm just going to go with yes, that's correct. Hi, Fury. Hello, and as always, I am your Gorgon host, Elizabeth Fury. Again, unverifiable. I've always wanted to be Medusa. Oh, she's amazing. That's the shade I want to throw. So today, respect. Yeah, (laughs) respect. So in this teeny episode, Rachel had—I would not say the pleasure of—but she had the opportunity of learning about the West Memphis Three case from the previous episode. And as she will be our guest host for episode two of season two, part two of the Robin Hood Hills murder. How many twos? I We're all, it's all good. We're all behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I realized it was like, this is double the magic here. I wanted to take the time to, get her opinion on what it was like to experience that case firsthand as I lived it living in Arkansas living in Little Rock um, through the late 90s into the aughts and into the early teens um, I was a staunch supporter of freeing the West Memphis Three myself so obviously I think from the tone of the episode it's kind of obvious who I was supporting (laughs) However, I wanted to know how Rachel felt about it. So right off the bat, Rachel, you heard the cri- the crime, almost at the crease. You heard the crime of these three young boys who tragically lost their lives in this horrific case. And then it shifts to basically another tragedy, in my opinion, of three young teenagers who are about to essentially lose their futures to basically a media outrage, a town outrage, and the boys seem forgotten. And I want to know, what was it like learning about this episode? As I think we were like in our single digits when this happened, so there is no way, like, you were on our John Bonet, uh Ramsey episode when we discussed what it was like. Uh, growing up in the wake of that this is Mm -hmm. even before that right um so give me some uh thoughts on that what was it like to hear about that crime what were your feelings 
Um, so I was not aware of, of this crime. Uh, before I was sort of vaguely aware of a group of people called the West Memphis Three, but I that was the extent of my knowledge. So um, obviously it was fucking horrifying, of course. Yes. Um, I do remember sort of... Um, Getting in on, not getting in on, but sort of growing up in the sort of tail end of the satanic panic, um, because Mm -hmm. it did sort of uh, filter through into the 90s. And, you know, my brothers and sisters are all older. So it was sort of like I picked up a lot from them and (laughs) we were like pretty fucking Catholic. So uh, there was a lot. I, I do remember that aura around that time. Um, mm-hmm. But hearing what the actual crime was, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> I I am 100% on your side. I think that there was a whole botched uh, police investigation from what I heard in, in your episode. Um, but that crime was so horrific that I do get the I get the panic that would have surrounded it. Uh, especially in the wake of if there is a spate of you know terrible crimes and I feel like this is also around the time where uh, 24 hour news cable uh, channels started coming up where it's just like if you have this sort of frenzied um, mentality that's sort of creeping into the public consciousness I get where this fear would drive you to believe some real fucked up shit I get you. And we mentioned in that episode how the police did not help that in the least. Oh, no. It was awful. (laughs) And many experts have discussed that there was satanic ritual training. And many of the experts that I respect, Paul Holes, um, who was instrumental in catching the golden state killer specifically i did mention his episode um on the murder squad he said that in his very long career he has never once encountered a satanic ritual killing and i find that to be very telling because not only did he work in like california (laughs) that would be the place to do it i'm just saying it's more I would say sensationalized and I do find this so interesting that I feel like if this exact case had happened somewhere more urban say Little Rock that would Mm -hmm. not have been the immediate leap and so Damien's statement regarding um, West Memphis being this a second Salem I think that they already were primed to think anything yeah was satanic and as someone who lived in little rock and experienced this firsthand that's not gone away that is Mm. kind of still part of the culture in a major way and for my teenage years i did wear a lot of black a lot of hand-me-downs and i have been accused of being (laughs) satanic in certain ways, which is very I odd. Mean, you are to me. Thank theory. you. Thank you. <laughs> but I find it very odd because Satanism itself kind of doesn't 
Wasn't the church of that? Yeah, exactly. The Church of Satan is quite sort of secular human, isn't it? Yeah, it's more like. Let me give you the actual definition because I don't want to misrepresent the Church of Satan. So it's a religious organization dedicated to um, Anton LaVey, apparently. But it's more of like kind of like focusing towards um, it has nothing to do with demons or selling souls Uh, it doesn't really have like a physical church but it's more about like the human experience Uh Um, and I think because they chose to have a figure such as Satan (laughs) involved it frightened people who come from a Christian background right but we're in America where we have the freedom of religion and this entire case violates it however just because Damien had like a an interest in the occult mm-hmm. and he did own to Wicca. That's an entirely different That's a religion. Whole different fucking thing. <laughs> and they have the threefold rule where whatever you put into the world comes back to you mm-hmm. threefold. Right. And um he explained on the stand what Wiccan beliefs are, how they're more related to nature and such like that but it's more of like he had an interest in it so what are your opinions in this moment where if your religious beliefs were put on the stand how would you feel in that moment i mean (laughs) not good fury yeah Uh, (laughs) no i think it's uh and i think that that is what I mean again I have done no research so I'm totally fucking telling tales out of school but I think that the Church of Satan does a lot of work around religious freedom specifically Mm -hmm. because they like well this is our religion it's Satan so it's sort of it's uh, sort of a deliberate challenge to a predominantly Christian even though it's secular technically um, country so yeah of course it's if I have no religious beliefs at this point, honestly, <laughs> like recovering mm-hmm. Catholic, but I'm not <laughs> non-practicing fucking anything. I'm trying not to be a complete asshole to the human race. So that like, is a beautiful thing. Thank you. This is the bar that I have set for myself. But I think, you know, if just thinking about it sort of in a conceptual way, uh, it is so counter to everything that we uh proposed to believe in as a country um then yeah it's it is a a desecration of a national identity i also find it interesting because it's actually very very the reactions and what is being said is very opposite christian principles i have to say it i went to i went to a private christian school And my older brother, I respect him so much. I talk about him a lot on this podcast. His name is Robert. (laughs) Shout out to Robert. He's a a deacon in his church. He is a Christian. And I respect him. And I 
when he speaks about his faith, I respect what he has to say. Not to say that I don't respect other people, but what I see in regards to my brother is that he actually does abide by the Christian principles. And in what we see in this case especially is a lack of <laughs> a lack of Christian principles. Um, Thou shalt not murder never kind of got erased. <laughs> and you see the dads of uh, Michael Moore and Christopher Byers being like, I'm going to kill him. And an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I know that that is not a Christian principle for words, but that's kind of the idea, I think, behind thou shalt not murder and not taking revenge, which is in the New Testament, because revenge doesn't, it doesn't bring any peace. And you're going to see that in this next episode as I outline what happens from 1999 until now. But when you're looking at small town America and you see these cultural differences where some people use the Bible to justify bad faith arguments and then you get closer to urban areas and yeah, they're still doing that too. I mean, billionaires are like, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, you've not read it because mm-hmm. you can't be a billionaire and be a Christian at the same time. You just can't. Um, it's it's in there. Read it. I can pick the Bible verse out for you. Can can you? Um, I mean, Google it. Damn. I feel like there's a whole debate that we're going to have <laughs> about <laughs> about these people's reactions. Because oh, yeah. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was Christian. But and I don't know what like I feel like you're about to drop a load of information that is going to like totally sway me. But I also get that grief. And or pre- like, let's just let's give everyone right. the benefit of the doubt because I don't right. know where like I don't know what you're about to tell me in the next hour or so. Like grief makes people into monsters. It's true. It's true. And I've noticed this in researching so many cases and following so many cases that grief with guilt turns people into certain types of monsters. Truth. But you never know how you're going to react to the situation. You really don't. Right. However, there's some ways I have seen that are so questionable and there's so many things that people do that kind of will always keep the brow raised, if you will. And that's why I did criticize some actions in the previous episode i want to give that caveat we're going to still talk about that don't Mm -hmm. worry okay (laughs) we have that planned because that was one of her major questions she was like wait and i was like don't worry we're gonna have that moment okay this teeny episode i believe in the moment (laughs) this teeny episode is in that moment because she doesn't have all the cards to play fair and i have all the cards (laughs) and that's not a fair discussion um you're a way better person than i am (laughs) I, I believe in a fair argument because I want 
to be I want to see if my mind gets changed but um were there this is my last question for this teeny episode was there anything that this case kind of like brought to mind like it brought up of course it always brings up that oh nobody ever locked their doors this was a safe place to live blah 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 that's the biggest lie anyone's ever told you I have always fucking locked my doors. <laughs> like, never, I've never not. I've never not locked my doors. My parents, oh, I mean, granted, I grew up in fucking Jersey. It wasn't like, you know, a super rough neighborhood, but also I can't. Although, no, I think, I think Ned's parents, I don't think they always locked. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> People listen to this. Uh, no, I I. I think I'm clearly might know one set of people that like don't lock their doors, but uh, that that does not compute for me. So I don't understand that narrative. I have always lived in large cities or urban areas because, mm-hmm. like you know, Little Rock, for Arkansas, large city. Yeah. In relation to Los Angeles, North Hollywood itself is bigger. Yeah. And like by people, not by square miles. Um, right. Right. <laughs> It's <laughs> so funny to think about that. And I have never in my life not locked my door. Um, I have locked myself out mm-hmm. more than I have been like, oh, shit. I 100%. 100%. Because I am always scared of what anybody is capable of. Yeah. Um, and that will be my answer forever. I would... Lock your fucking door. Yeah. If I could teach my dog that and be like trust no bitch (laughs) honestly i think i did because like if someone startles her her first reaction is to like bite them but sorry guys i have a dog that's kind of bitey she's deaf Um, oh no her birthday was on on valentine's day everyone she's 15 years young uh but you know if you're gonna go and touch her and she doesn't know you chomp but like, I respect this. That's how I live my life too. Yeah, I just bite a lot of people. I'll just be weird. I don't need it. Like, yeah. if you're gonna do something that's gonna make me feel uncomfortable, I don't care about our friendship. I don't know you. <laughs> You've bitten me like three times. Have I? And that was just like this week. When? I'm I'm fucking with you. Oh, I was like, did I really? <laughs> I was gonna buy that. I love that. That was an option. <laughs> And it does sound like it was me. like that might have happened at a bar one night. Who knows? Or I thought it was like a metaphorical bite, like no, like a spiritual bite. Ooh. Constantly spiritual nibbles. Spiritual nibbles. Um, that's gonna be my first album coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> and as we digest, um, so Where, was, what was the question? <laughs> like, there was a question. About, like, what other things this this case brought up. I think this brought, like, this, the, the thing that I kept texting you as I was listening to this was, like, where are the lawyers? Where are the adults? Where are the adults in this case? Like, where, these kids are fucking teenagers, and they're being questioned, and, like, I... D- I thought that was inadmissible. I thought that was illegal, that you can't question someone under the age of 18, but maybe uh, Arkansas's laws are different. I don't probably. know about Arkansas, man. But like, 16. there should have been like a fucking overworked public defender just telling them, "Shut up, just don't say anything right well, now." Well, Jesse didn't even know he could leave. 
That's like, that was the thing where I was just like, what? That was the thing that got brought up for me, where it was just like, exactly as you said, where are the fucking adults? Like, we've got the crazy adults, and we've got some fucking teenagers, and we've got some dead children. But like, where are the adults with like some grasp of the legal system? Even then, like, the prosecutors seem to have no grasp of the legal system. What the fuck? Like, it's, it reminds me of the Stephen Avery case. Both of them. Um, poor Jesse Miss Kelly reminds me so much of Brenton Desi. Um, where These names mean nothing to me, but I have faith okay. that one day they will mean something. Oh, gosh. They will, because I'm going to just, um, oh, after God. this, I'm going to word explode on you. Okay, cool. You know, that's our friendship. But Brendan Dassey gave a false confession and because he just, he wanted to go home. Yes, that was, that was the kid who gave the, okay, gotcha. Yeah, he wanted to go home. Yeah. And Jesse Miss Kelly, one of our three, he was interrogated for something like double digit hours, something like 11 or 14, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Um, so many numbers in my head. And just make he, them up. I'll never know. I mean, I feel like the listeners would. Yeah, probably. Tweet at me. Tell me if I'm wrong. And they finally, he was just so worn down that he was repeating what they wanted to hear. I mean, that's a fucking horror show. That's and if you horror. think about it, he really didn't give a testimony. They had a tape recorder testify. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, no, he never went up and gave his story. It was the tape recorder, the taped confession that was played in court. And I'm so thrilled that he didn't because that would have been perjury. He would have perjured himself. Yeah, right. He had already um, recanted that. He had already said they forced me to do it. And I mean, if you're... I think he he may have been the one who was 16 at the time. Like... He was terrified, and he'd already been fucked with by the police. And honestly, Arkansas police are horrible. I'm saying it right now. I've encountered it. I've had to deal with it. They're awful. And to be, like, the, I don't know, citizen number one here of a case, that has to be the biggest nightmare. And I can't imagine. So the other question I have, because I... Am a Yankee Northerner listening to this with my own set of fucking prejudices. Of course. Is everyone in this case the same race? Yes and no. Okay. There was an alleged black man, Mr. Bojangles. Right. Who cannot be verified. Okay. But the children and... They were uh, white. And the... They're, uh, all their parents are white. Got it. Okay. All of the cops are white. All three of the teenagers are white. Okay. Um... And it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's like a prejudicial thing. It's just everybody who lives there is white. You're correct. Okay. Well, um, I was just wondering, because you, you were saying at the beginning of the last, you know, when you were telling the story that it took them so long to even start looking for the missing children that I was just wondering if, it, yeah. if they were, I mean, if that was like a symptom of the times or if it was just like, oh, well, these kids are brown, so they don't matter, you know? I mean, if they were brown, that would have been the situation. I hate to say that because that is the most heinous thing in the world. But no, it was just because that's Arkansas police. Like, there yeah. are so many cases that they're sitting on. 
Mm. And I'll drag them to hell. I'll be happy to be the one to do it. If they would get up off their ass and do something, you know, the world might be a different place. Don't worry. You've heard more than one case already from the South as a horror story. So let's discuss in this next following episode why that adage will continue to be true. So thank you for listening to a teeny episode. This is just a taste of what our Patreon episodes will somewhat be like. Maybe an interview with a co-guest host. Maybe a whole teeny case that I only found a little bit of information on. Didn't feel like doing like a whole shebang out of it. But we will do one more teeny episode with Rachel um, after this whole thing. So after she braces herself. Here we go. I am excited for you. Um, (laughs) Is excited the right word we're using? No. Uh, I I feel like it's actual dread. (laughs) Like... Well, red capital D. I'm excited for your dread. <laughs> That's all right. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We will see you again on a big old episode. This is Elizabeth Fur. I almost. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm signing out. Hi, I'm Rachel, and bye, I'm still Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is Let's Talk About the Facts. Teeny episode number one.